Hello, I'm Rosemary Malkovich. Welcome to Let God Speak. The book of Ephesians redirects our focus from the deceptive attractions of this world to the personal experience of God's amazing power. This power is available through the Holy Spirit to those who believe in Christ. We begin to grasp and experience the vast scope of this power of God when we study the ongoing ministry of the risen and exalted Jesus. So join us as we discuss this powerful topic. On our panel today, we have Rod Butler and Christopher Peterson. So welcome. Hello. Thanks for having us. It's good to have you here today. Before we begin, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can discuss this topic from Ephesians, the prayers of Paul. And Father, I pray that you will bless us as we speak here for you with the Holy Spirit leading us, but also the people who are listening and watching. May the Holy Spirit also be enlightening their minds with your truth and help us listen to you and let you speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 For many Christians, the ministry of Jesus ends with him paying the price for our sins and with his death on the cross. But as important as his death on the cross was for us, his ministry beyond the cross is extremely important and gives us the power to live victorious lives in this world now. The book of Ephesians focuses our attention on the power available to us from four pivotal events after the cross. One, the resurrection of Jesus. Two, his exaltation at the throne of God. Three, all things being placed under Christ's authority. And four, Christ being made head of the church. And you'll find these in Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. We are going to look at each of these four points through two of Paul's prayers. The first prayer is in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, and the second is in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. So Chris, can you please read the one in Ephesians chapter 1 and Rod, the one in Ephesians chapter 3? Of course. So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15 reads, Therefore I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him 
who fills all in all. Very good. And Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend what, with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye may be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So Chris... What theme do these two prayers have the same? Well, one of the themes is that Paul, he's referring to thanksgiving and gratitude to God in these prayers. And specifically, he's talking about the transformative power that God has in the life of the believer. So in chapter one, verse 19, he refers to the exceeding greatness of God's power. In the prayer in chapter 3, verse 16, he refers to the riches of God's glory. So these are prayers of uh, incredible thanksgiving and gratitude to God. Mm, And it goes on with the strength of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yes. That's amazing. Um, Paul says in verse 16 in chapter 1, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul is constantly giving thanks um, in his prayer life, always praying thanks. And in First Th- Thessalonians 5.17, he says to pray without ceasing. So, Rod, are we supposed to go around praying all the time or being on our knees in prayer? Well, it seems, it seems to indicate that, but that's not what he's meaning. He's meaning that we are to be constantly aware that we are in the presence of God um, and that we are to be ready to talk the details of our life with God in silent communion with God at any moment. And that constant silent dialogue gets into the details of what we're doing, who we're meeting, um, events, all the things, our problems, our trials. We talk to God about everything. We, we look for cues to, to praise God. Thank you, Lord, that I have a house, that I have a roof over my head, that I've got food today. We're constantly aware that God is our He is our God and he's with us. And it's that communion. Ellen Ellen White says in her book, Steps to Christ, prayer is opening of the heart to God as if to a friend. And that's the sort of communion we have. We don't spend all that time on our knees. We can be working at our our job. We can be at the supermarket, but we constantly have that awareness that God is with us and we talk to him constantly. That is what it means to be praying without ceasing. I think the point is that God has promised to be with us always and through just praying to God about something, you are acknowledging that he is with you all the time. Yes. Mm. So Chris, what else is there that stands out in these prayers? Yeah, Paul, in both prayers, he's not just praying for himself. He's praying for other people as well. We call this intercessory prayer, where you bring before God people uh, that you want for him to do something for, bless them or reveal uh, himself to them. We see, for example, in chapter 1, Uh, Verse 17, he says that God may give unto you. Verse 18, that you might know. In chapter 3 and verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. 
there's this over uh, repeated emphasis throughout these prayers Mm. that Paul is thinking not only of his needs, but for the needs of others. And I think that's a really good model for our prayer life as well, to not only be praying for ourselves, but to intercede for other people, pray for the well-being and blessing for other people as well. That's right. Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But then again in verse 17, Rod, it, uh, it says to us that um, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What does this mean? Well, that word knowledge actually in the Greek is epignosis, which means a detailed knowledge. This isn't just a, an intellectual ascent or um, some theoretical. This is actually experimental knowledge. This we get from experience. This is uh, a, a deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit uh, operates in our life. And Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit will, will give us that knowledge so we can understand more fully what the, the, what the Holy Spirit does for us. Right, so it's not just something at conversion we get, but it's something that comes. This is, this is um, a knowledge which is progressive. Mm. It's continually growing and uh, it's, it's something that we, we need. We actually need the Holy Spirit to get it, to understand the <laughs> Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I want to ask a question for you both. Um, in what aspects of Jesus' ministry is this special insight needed? Yeah, well, I think verse 18 kind of draws that out. I'll read it out for us again in chapter one. Paul says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So when we are asking God for insight, what Paul is saying here, there's really three things that we need insight for to understand our hope, our calling and our inheritance. Uh, We read elsewhere in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, that Christ in us is our hope of glory, that through Jesus we have hope of salvation and eternal life. So that's the hope that we have. Then we're told in other parts of Scripture, such as uh, Romans 8, chapter 30, that when we come to Christ, that relationship between us and God, it's restored. So now that we're restored to God, We have to live our life in a different way. There's a calling that God places now on our life. And with that also comes a new inheritance. We get to be the adopted sons and daughters of God himself. Mm, Amazing. And also, if I can just go down to verse 19, and it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? This We need the Holy Spirit to get that deeper understanding of this awesome power that's available to each one of us. And um, we need that power constantly. So then, Rod, why is it important for us to understand um, the the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Well, because we live in the world today, we all face uh, trials, we all have temptations, we have... uh, insurmountable obstacles. We have the the Mount Everest in front of us. And when we are faced with the the seeming impossible, we have to call upon that power that God will give us 
that deals with the impossible. And I know that sounds hard to understand, but God has a thousand ways to solve a problem that we've mm. got no, no knowledge of. And when we go to prayer, we unlock that power. It comes to us. And Jesus says in Matthew, I'll just turn to this. It's uh, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. And it says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. And here's the point I want to make. But with God, all things are possible. Mm. So... Why do we need this power? Because we've, we're faced with things which are pretty hard. And if we don't have that power, most of the world today who face obstacles without power, they get depressed. There's hopelessness. Uh, there's misery. But when we know we've got that power, we have hope and joy. We can move forward and we can overcome. And prayer isn't a magic bullet. It's the God that you direct your prayers to who is able to Absolutely, work. Absolutely, yes. So prayer doesn't make something magic happen, but it is our access to God yes. to ask for his power to help us, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So let's look, as I mentioned earlier, at, at some of these four pivotal points. We'll look at the first two at the moment, um, the resurrection of Jesus and his exaltation at the throne of God. I'm just going to read again verse 19 of Ephesians 1, but I'll add verse 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So, Christopher, how is God's power to be expressed through the resurrection of Jesus? Yeah, well, the resurrection is the pivotal event for the Christian faith. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ is not risen, then we of all men are to be most pitied. But the good news is we do know that Christ has risen. Amen. And so because of that, we, we see that Jesus, he passes into death and he comes out. He's resurrected into life. And he has this promise that for those who have put their trust in him, if they pass into death, death cannot hold them captive. They too can be resurrected into eternal life just as he has been. And this is kind of reiterated for us in Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 20 and 21 for us, where the author says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever Amen. So Paul, he's saying here, God is able to work through you. He's able to work through Christ and he can do that because Christ is risen. As it says, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, he's alive and he's active in our lives today. Very, very good. And Rod, how is the power of God to us um, expressed through Jesus' exaltation at the throne of God? Well, when Jesus ascended to heaven, um, he started a new ministry. Mm -hmm. And I also like to refer to the book of Hebrews because Hebrews, we get a lot of the definition and description of this ministry. When he ascended to heaven he, and was seated at the right hand of the Father, he became our high priest. And in Hebrews 4 and verse 14, it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, sadly, uh, and you mentioned this, you alluded to this in the intro, many people today 
their, their view of Christ's ministry ends at the cross. Mm. He died on the cross. That's it. But when you look what he's done beyond the cross, he's been resurrected as um, uh, was just being said. Um, then he's becoming our high priest. That work is in the sanctuary That's for our salvation. And that work is ongoing. And through that work, we have power again from the Holy Spirit in our lives to overcome. Um, because now that he's in heaven, he promised us the helper. And we wouldn't have had that help of the Holy Spirit had he not gone there and done his second part of his ministry. Mm. So um, by going to heaven, becoming our high priest, we have access to the Holy Spirit. Through him, we have access to him through the Holy Spirit. Very mm. powerful. Yeah, that's right. So the faith of believers is strengthened through knowing the power of the resurrection of Christ, but then also knowing that he is seated on the right hand of God. He is at the throne of God on our behalf as our high priest. And because of him, the Holy Spirit then comes and fills us and strengthens us. So we can overcome in this life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, he helps us meet all the temptations. Let's focus on the next two steps or oh, the aspects that we looked at before. Um, number three was all things have been placed in subservience to Christ. And four, Christ is given to the church as its head. So let me read verse 21 of First Ephesians 1. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So, Christopher, is this just referring to earthly governments that he's over the power of or what? Yeah, I think what Paul has in mind here is not merely earthly governments and powers, but God or Jesus. He has been made the head or he reigns supreme over every spiritual dominion and authority. Mm -hmm. We get a bit of this in Ephesians chapter six where we're being told, instructed as Christians to put on the armor of God. I'll start in verse 11. Paul writes, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Mm. So, we're being told here, instructed as Christians, this armor of God, these are these blessings and these outworkings of the Holy Spirit that God does in the Christian. And by putting on the armor of God, we're actually able to have victory over these evil spiritual forces. So the question is, where does that power come from? It comes from the giver. It comes from God. It comes from Christ. Christ has that power over not only the physical realm, but he reigns supreme over spiritual authorities as well. Very, very good. So, Rod, why is it important for us today to know that God is above all powers, especially Satan? Well, because when we look around the world today, we have um, Satan work everywhere. We see mm. violence, we see uh, evil in, our, in, our, in countries and wars, etc., it says in 1 Peter 5.8 that the devil um, is like a roaring lion seeking whom, whom he may devour. Yes. And as we get closer to the last days, that activity by the devil will increase. 
And we're finding now that there's, there's a lot of deception. Satanic activity seems to be permeating everything. It's permeating media. It's permeating all the entertainment. Everything we do in life, there's that satanic edge. And Jesus um, has promised us that we can have victory uh, over this. And what I'd like to read James 4 verse 7. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now sometimes people get caught up in things they don't realise that they've ventured onto the enchanted ground and uh, Satan has control. And when, but when they do realise, they can call upon the name of Christ and the devil will flee. Now this is a power that's unbelievable because there's no other power that can get rid of the devil, mm. only Christ, because Christ defeated him at the cross. Yes. He's a defeated foe. And even though he wanders around seeing who may devour, if we call upon that name of Christ, he will flee. That's right. So people can go searching in all sorts of places to try and find spiritual power or spiritual fulfillment in their lives. It's an empty hole. And they want to get success, peace. They want contentment. They want um, f- that fulfillment and they're not finding it anyway. So they look in what seem to be innocent sources to try and find this. But Chris, why is it dangerous? Well, Satan is very crafty and he never makes sin or temptation look unappetizing or unappealing. It always looks pleasing to the eyes. It looks tantalizing. It's something that we might desire. But the difficulty or the challenge is that when we succumb to that temptation, Satan does not want to let us go. God, he is all about honoring uh, and giving us the freedom to choose. Satan doesn't play fair. He is not interested in respecting choice. So even if a person, they fall into temptation and they want to come out, Satan does not want to honor that choice. He wants to hold them captive there. And it can't be, freedom can't be achieved by human effort. What we need is someone external to us to be able to help us. Mm. And we see that uh, in the life of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, he declares that he has come to proclaim freedom to the captive. So we see that as he goes, he heals people, he releases people from demonic possession. So Jesus, he is the answer to getting freedom from captivity to spiritual evil. Mm. I I just want to stay with you, Chris, with the next question. Mm. And I want to read, first of all, uh, Ephesians 1.22, which says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Um, Paul emphasizes again the sovereignty of Jesus over the universe and then adds that he's head over the church. So why would Paul say that? Yeah, I think it's because particularly in the book of Revelation, we've got this theme that keeps coming throughout, which is that there is Christ who is the head of his righteous church, his pure church. And there's Satan and Satan. He kind of wants to be the head of his own counterfeit church. Mm. It externally he wants uh, the worship. He wants the worship. So he, he counterfeits it. He goes, oh, well, I get to be the head of my counterfeit church. And there's this ongoing battle between these parties, between Christ and Satan, uh, between the counterfeit church, which persecutes God's true church. But ultimately, it's Christ and his church that win. And we know the reason for that is Jesus isn't just the head of his church. 
He's head over everything. He's sovereign, supreme over everything, physical and spiritual in the universe. And so not uh, not only emphasizing Christ being head of the church, but over all things is what gives us hope that God's people, they win in the end. They have victory over Satan because of the position of authority which Jesus holds. Now, Satan is a person or a being who is after numbers. Mm. And he thinks that if he has the greater numbers, then he has the power. And so just because there's a lot of people involved in something doesn't mean it's right. Because Jesus said it's a narrow road that you Mm. travel if you're going to go to heaven and and be in his camp. So Jesus isn't looking for numbers. He's looking for souls. Mm. He's looking for hearts that are pure, hearts that will love him. So don't always go just because there's numbers. It may not be the right place. So Rod, why is it important to remind church members that Jesus is the head over his church? Well, excuse me, it is important because um, just like the the body, I'll back up. Paul gives a beautiful metaphor of what the church is. He he gives the, the analogy of a body uh, the body has a head, the body has parts. All the parts are completely different, mm. um, but they all work in harmony together. They're all united. And when they work um, the way they should, that body can achieve amazing things. But, but the, the head controls everything. And Paul is saying that Christ is the head of the church. And I just want to read you um, again in Ephesians, Ephesians 4. And I'm going to be reading uh, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joins together and completed by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12 that um, we all have different spiritual gifts. We're all given different spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. And we use those gifts for edifying the church and for doing the work of God in these last days. Gifts like teaching, preaching, healing, uh, hospitality, gifts of helps, um, prophesying, etc. And the main point of this is that if we all have these gifts we, and we all um, are united and no gift is more important than the other, then we'll, be, we'll stay united. The minute we start thinking that one person is more important than the other, we have problems in the church. And, and when we are thinking that, well, this is my job, nobody else can take it because I've been doing it for years. Yep. Um, we're in the wrong place. We're not following God at that point, are we? We're, we're letting self-rule in our hearts and we need to be willing to let other people use their gifts. It's a particular pro- problem for leaders yes. uh, because they think they've got ownership, correct? Yes. That's right. Well, these two prayers that we've looked at, in these two prayers, Paul does not address any mechanisms or strategies of how believers experience God's power in their lives. However, because these passages are part of his prayer for the Ephesians, it suggests prayer is the key. Paul believes that God will answer his prayer. He asks that the power which is available through faith in Christ be active in the lives of believers. The good news is that Christ's infinite power is available to you and me when we ask for it in prayer. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak today. All past programs plus the teacher's notes are available on our website 
3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au and join us again next time and may God richly bless you until then. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.